Welcome back to episode 7 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler free where I give my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Fate's Day Night Unlimited Blade Works. Released in 2014 by Ufotable Studios, it has 26 episodes including a prologue and an epilogue. There is both a sub and a dub, but I would recommend watching it in sub. As for how I discovered this series, my old friend Kaylee Kale told me that I had to watch it. He said there were so many different variations that I wouldn't be running out of content to watch anytime soon. So the series follows Shiro Emiya, a high school student who is selected to be one of seven masters to compete in a death battle known as the Holy Grail War. Each master receives a legendary hero to fight alongside them as servants. Shiro summons and makes a contract with a swordswoman named Saber, and the prize for the winner of the grail is any wish that the victor desires. So we learn that Shiro has aspirations to become a hero of justice, to have a world where everyone is safe and happy. Unfortunately, we see Shiro is not that gifted with magic, and we see him struggle to perform, in his words, some of the most basic components of strengthening magic. And Shiro may not be a great mage, but he uses his magic to be a like kind of a helpful handyman. With Misto being relatively new to subtitles and anime in general, I thought that Shiro's name was Senpai for like the first four episodes, because Sakura kept calling him that for like 20 times in the first episode alone. So I had to get my boy Kaylee Kale to kind of explain some of the common anime terms that I should become familiar with. We see flashbacks of Shiro training in the dojo with Kirisugu, and in present day he's doing his push-ups trying to keep fit, but he's still by far the weakest master as the other characters like to remind him constantly throughout this series. And I mean, for the majority of the show, he's just a meat shield and he gets his ass whooped by servants left and right. Both Lancer and Ryder smack him around, but he survives. Saber roughs him up in training. Archer booted him around more than once, so we know he can take a beating. And then we get to Saber, aka Atoria Pendragon, the King of Knights. I'd imagine everyone knows King Arthur. And in the Fate universe, during her original life, Saber masqueraded herself as a man. So first impressions of Saber, aside from her being gorgeous, is I loved her battle dress and her armor. At first, I was kind of like, man, how's she going to move around in her dress? And then it's like, oh, oh, damn. Okay, she's flying around, cracking Lancer. It's like, all right, movement's not going to be an issue for her. So a shocking scene is when Saber is magically bound in the white dress, all bent out of shape. I legit sent a screenshot to my boy Kaylee Kale to be like, Yo, is, is this actually happening? And his response was just like, oh, damn right it is. Nothing like a little bit of fan service for the boys. But putting that aside, Saber is a badass. During the time I was watching Unlimited Blade Works is when Hollywood was all up in arms about female representation in film. You know, you're getting poorly written characters like Captain Marvel and Batwoman being shoved in your face and getting criticized like crazy. The film industry needs to take notes from anime. This show alone had so many strong female characters. I mean, Saber is a petite person, but never do they mention like, oh, it's the small woman fighting a big gigantic man. Like the series introduces her as a legendary warrior, so everything she does is believable. And hell, if it wasn't for Shiro not understanding command seals and using one right away, Saber would have killed Rin off screen. Like that's just how fast she was. She was gone before the audience could even follow her. It's not like Saber's just steamrolling all the men to be like, look how strong she is. She holds her own and we get crazy fight after crazy fight with her. And then we get to Reen. She was my first introduction to Asundere. I was telling my boy Kaylee Kale, I'm really liking this Reen character. And he was like, oh, you're a Asundere man. And then he had to explain all the dare meanings to me. 
And I really enjoyed the different uses of magic in this world and how Rian uses like jewel magic in a bunch of different ways. We see her use it for healing as a shield, pinning down and bounding enemies. She uses it for explosive attacks as well. But by far my favorite weapon, maybe in this entire series, is the magic blast she would produce from her hand. I think she called it the gander shot. It was really cool just watching her blast people with that. And I really like Reen's and Shiro's relationship. You know how he shuts the door in her face, how she's always blushing at him. When they fight like an old married couple in front of Lancer, like deciding who should run away from the fight. They just had a great dynamic and I really enjoyed their chemistry. And then we get to Archer. So when I was putting together this review, I was going to say that I hate Archer. But hate is a very strong word that I'm going to save for later. I dislike Archer. He has a smug personality. I didn't like him as Reen's servant. I felt he did nothing to really help in battles against like Berserker. And he should have definitely stepped in sooner than he did when Reen was fighting Ilya in the woods. And then we get the big reveal that Archer is actually Shiro as a heroic spirit from the future. The setup for that was fantastic. Shiro quit the archery club even though he was really good at it. So it makes sense that he would become Archer class. And when Saber tells Shiro that he adapted a stance similar to Archer. And Shiro's response is like, well I did spend the whole day with him yesterday. I was like, dummy, that it would take so much longer for you to copy someone's style. Like, I thought that was a really dumb line. But then you go back and you realize he was actually developing that style. Then Archer identifying Shiro's overuse of mana because he did it to himself before. And then Caster damn near rubs it in her face saying, like, you two are the same. I didn't catch any of that my first watch through. As it was happening, like, of course, when the reveal happens, I remembered back to all those things. And I was like, oh, that was really cool. But never did it, like, hint enough for me to be suspicious. I have to admit that I got really bored during Shiro and Archer's, like, debate on ideology and how Shiro was going to turn out. Like, the fighting was cool, but I just felt like their discussion was just stretched out for far too long. And realistically, Archer should have been able to easily beat and kill Shiro, like, right away if he actually wanted him dead. Like, he could have just finished it so quickly. And then we see that he saves Shiro from Gilgamesh's, like, attack, and it hits him instead. And then Archer hits him with the, oh, only you can defeat him. And it's like, well, how about instead of being the typical Shiro meat shield, you just get out of the way and then you friggin' kill him. Archer, like, my god. I did like Archer's ending with him sniping Gilgamesh right through the head. That was an awesome moment, so. As much of a smug prick as he was, he had his moments where I was kind of like, alright, that was cool. So then we get to Ilya, and even though she was a little evil, she was a sweetheart, man. I loved her so much. I enjoyed her dynamic with Berserker, aka freaking Hercules. It was almost like a Beauty and the Beast relationship. And I mean, he even saves her from wolves outside a castle in snowy woods. I mean, come on. Berserker's size mixed with his speed was just nothing less than impressive. Watching him keep pace with Saber in their battle, like he was terrifying. It was no wonder Archer and Saber could not defeat him together. But what I didn't like though is after that he kind of disappears until we walk into the battle with him and Gilgamesh and Gilgamesh is just chewing him up. The animation of Gilgamesh's portals is so stunning and that's like really a compliment when you think of just how beautiful this series is all together. But I just I, don't, I just wanted to add that in like his it almost looked like honey ripples like his portals. I thought they were really cool looking. And even though Berserker put up a good fight he does fall to the final attack. But I guess it was a good way to show like just how overpowered Gilgamesh is. Like that Berserker was by far the strongest and then Gilgamesh kind of whooped him. But I did enjoy the fear in Gilgamesh's eyes when uh, old Hercules breaks out of the chains of heaven. That was really nice to see. You saw that fear in his eyes. Ilya's death was so sad. 
I mean, if she had to die, I'd get it, but I did not need to see her go out that way, losing her eyes and then getting her heart ripped out. I mean, she was just a sweetie. I wish she didn't have to die. As for Caster, I love the way she looks like a butterfly when her cape flares out and she's shooting the magic beams like with all the colors. And then when she isn't, she just looks like Batman. And then when her bonnet gets knocked off, Caster is drop dead sexy, son. I wish she had taken that hood off for the whole series. As for the teacher being her master, I didn't suspect him because I felt that the show had made it too obvious, especially when he first sees Saber in the school. Like, it just seemed too on the nose. I thought that was going to be like the red herring, like, we think it's the teacher and then it's somebody else. But no, it turns out that it was him. And his hand-to-hand -hand combat skills were awesome. I mean, watching Shiro get beat like a drum, that was just usual power for the course. But when he was just like really, in all honesty, wrecking Saber, he could have snapped her neck if he wanted. That was shocking. I was like, man, this guy's taking on Saber, man. He's going at it. No weapons. And my biggest criticism for the caster arc is just that I felt like the series spent too much time on her. She was like our middle of the season villain, but I felt like they could have taken a little quicker approach to dealing with her. And then we could have focused more on some of the other servants that I don't feel got their due, like assassin, rider. And like I said, I would have liked to see in a little bit more berserker too. So then we get to Shinji. Now I mentioned I was saving the word hate and it's for this bubbling mound of hot garbage. He is a frigging coward and a sniveling worm. How this imbecile is seemingly liked at school and has girls around him from time to time is beyond me. And I'm really trying to keep each review contained to its specific series, so I'm not going to go into all the reasons that I hate this prick. The fact that he put his hands on Sakura, or at least Shiro suspected that he did. Like, Shiro should have stopped being a weak hoe and beat the brakes off of Shinji a long time ago. I also hate how he degrades Ryder, calling her a useless servant, even after she dies saving his useless life. Can we take a moment for poor Ryder, who was killed off screen? Like, the sheer disrespect. And for some of you who don't know, we didn't even get to see her use her eyes in Unlimited Blade Works. And the last draw was him getting creepy with Reen while she was restrained to the chair. That alone made him being engulfed by the grill so much more enjoyable to me. I loved every second of it and I wish Reen would have left that sick piece of shit to die. And just a quick uh, comment on Fuji, the teacher. I found her annoying off rip. She does that stupid prank on Shiro with the sauces and then she becomes a total cock block running Shiro's chances for all kinds of fun with him, Reen, Saber, even Sakura all at the house like she was just being a hater. The fight scenes in this show are just the best. The choreography, showing the footwork, each opponent's creativity and the way they use their different weapons. The possibilities for fights were endless. And you can only put so much into a series, but we get like a little taste of what could have been in the openings. Like Servants, we didn't see Duke it out in the actual show. We see kind of like what could have been in the opening sequences. I mean, just some of the highlights. I mean, the color change when Saber's deflecting Lancer's spear in the first battle. There was this really cool, quick, over-the-shoulder camera shot on Saber while she's charging Berserker in their fight. When Archer throws both his blades at Shiro in their final battle. Like, everything in these fights was just so slick and clean. They were amazing. They're some of the best battles I've ever seen in anime. And like I said, I can just go on and on, but like there's just so many amazing fights in this show. So now I just want to get into some speculations that I had. This show had me not trusting anyone. Hell, at one point when Mitsuziri was being friendly to Shiro in the hallway, I was like, God damn it, is she a master? Is she just playing with Shiro right now? Like it was driving me nuts. 
And then I thought Sakura's bruised hand was her trying to like hide command seals. And I believed that she was Lancer's master. I figured when Lancer and Archer were fighting in the first episode and Lancer attempted to kill Shiro, it was for exactly what he said because Shiro was a witness and then he tried to finish the job at Shiro's house. Sakura wouldn't have known that it was Shiro. So after she realized it, that's when she told like Shiro she was going to stop coming over for dinner and she wanted to separate herself from him. And then Sakura and Lancer kind of both disappear for many episodes. Then when Lancer comes back later in the season to help Shiro, I figured it was because Sakura was like, had a not so secret crush on him and she wanted his wish to come true. So she decided to get Lancer to help him win the grail. And this is why Lancer was always calling his master a coward because I thought Sakura just never showed herself and didn't want to fight especially against Shiro. She just wanted to let him win. But uh, I was completely wrong because Kire was Lancer's master, which I had no idea was coming. And it was a good twist. And I think a lot of my confusion, because watching it back now, I see how she wasn't his master. Like there was many things said that would have told me earlier, Sakura is not Lancer's master. But I think it was just me struggling with subtitles still. I was also very wary of Issei at first. The way the show addresses it, I thought he might be a master due to him telling Shiro he lived at the temple where Castor had made her home base. Him talking about how he hadn't been sleeping well lately. And then that just leads nowhere. He had nothing to do with anything. So I'm sure the show did put that in there to make you think it. But just there was just no real payoff even for him being a fake. Uh, when Archer switched sides, I truly did believe it was all part of some master plan. But then he was honestly so much of a dick that he still betrayed his alliance when he came back. And he also remains unforgiven for backhanding the shit out of Rin. <laughs> okay, now listen up for this part because I realize I am in the minority on this point, but I want to explain why I suggest watching Unlimited Blade Works before watching Fate Zero. There will be minor references to things that happen in Zero, so if you haven't watched it yet, use your own discretion on continuing for the next few minutes. So reason one, Unlimited Blade Works has Saber's true name be like a mystery for a good part of the series. And if you're not familiar with the craftsmanship of Excalibur, like I wasn't, then the blade being partially shown earlier on wouldn't have given it away. It's a plot line throughout the first half of the series that if you had watched Fate Zero first, you know Saber's identity before you even see her. Episode 1 of Zero, they tell you exactly who Saber is. And though Zero is a prequel series, and even though it came out before the television adaption of Unlimited Blade Works, it's like watching the Star Wars films in numerical order. It's like, sure, you could do that, but by episode 5 you already are well aware Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, and that iconic moment just means nothing to you. Reason 2 would be, you already know how the magic circle ended up in Shiro's workshop slash storage house, and how he received Saber as a servant, even though he didn't go through the usual summoning process. You would also know why she was summoned for back-to-back -back Grail Wars, and why she keeps her memory from the previous Grail Wars. Reason 3 would be you already know about Kirei and Gilgamesh. I had no idea Kirei had the potential to be a master. I figured he was just the creepy overseer who really wanted the grail to emerge. And shout out to the voice actor of Kirei, Joji Nakata. That man has some bass to his voice. He made Kirei sound very ominous. Also, if you watch Zero first, we see just what a badass Kirei is. And then going through Bladeworks, we only really get a taste of his abilities. If I'd watched Zero first, I would have been really disappointed in Unlimited Bladeworks because he really doesn't do much of anything. Like the action of him in Zero compared to Bladeworks, it's night and day. And the same goes for Gilgamesh. I had no clue who he was or what his powers were. So when he enters as kind of like the final boss, you get to see just how powerful he is. But if you had seen Zero first, it would just be like, you would have been waiting around the whole series just like, 
Why has Gilgamesh just not wiped everyone out yet? Reason 4. We see Kirisugu as like a tired, almost defeated man in his conversations with Shiro. If you watch Zero first, you already know why he is this way. But watching Zero after, you see like what shaped him into that man that he is in Blade Works. I see it almost as like Blade Works leaves you with questions and Zero gives you answers. Each time I saw something while watching Zero, it was another piece added to the puzzle like, oh, that's what they meant in Blade Works or, oh, that's why that happened. Like watching Zero first, you just go into Blade Works with all the answers, which is no fun. There was like, there's no sense of discovery. Reason 5. Rewatching Unlimited Blade Works for this review, you notice Saber seems very confused by Shiro. She recognizes the name Emiya and is surprised when Shiro goes to great lengths to help her and trust her. Like from their handshake to Shiro accepting Saber not revealing her true name to him and giving her full discretion on when to use her noble phantasm, she seems to always look shocked by him and then when you watch Zero, you realize it's because Shiro's father was just a prick to her through the entirety of Zero. She didn't trust the Emmy in name and then she recognizes Ilya Eisenburn because she knew her as a child and you see that Ilya's mom was like Saber's best friend in Zero. And then Saber wouldn't enter the church because she didn't want to see Kirei because of Zero like... Watching Zero Second, you just get to connect all these dots. Reason 6. You see Ilya's backstory in Unlimited Blade Works, but then when you watch Zero Second, you see the truths that were unknown to us in Blade Works. Like, why Kirisugu never came back for her, and like, he didn't actually abandon her, we see what really happened. Where if you watch it the other way, you would just be like, well, Ilya's backstory is all BS because you know what really happened. Reason 7. Once again... Finding out Kyrie killed Rin's father, I enjoyed that being announced in Blade Works, then watching Zero to see the lead up of how that happened. If you do it the other way around, once he tells her, there's there's no weight behind it. Like, the scene's just useless because you're just sitting there like, yeah, I've known that for like over 20 episodes now. Reason 8, Saber and Gilgamesh's relationship, they always talk about what happened 10 years ago and but it's, it is somewhat confusing if you watch Blade Works first. But then you go back to Zero, it fills in those blanks. Watching Zero first, it just makes the Blade Work explanation just another annoying recap. And you also get the reveal like Saber, not of her own free will, caused the fire that screwed Shiro over so badly. Now just to get into a couple of nitpicks. Kiritsugu, from what we hear from Shiro, believed magic was something that shouldn't be hidden. But most of the population is unaware of mages in the Holy Grail War. So when he just casually starts telling Shiro as a kid in the hospital that he's a magic user in front of, like, all these other children. I was just like, man, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> also, the blood trail left by Shiro after Archer slices his back after the caster battle. It's like the amount of blood he lost when you see that blood trail, that would have killed him. He would have been dead. There's, like, because the magic healing didn't start yet. Like, all that blood, he would have been done. And now, I love Reen. But how in the world did she think it was a good idea to go on a date in the middle of a battle royale, winner-take-all slaughter death match? I mean, come on. That was just foolish. The next nitpick is then Reen becomes Saber's master, and it didn't really lead anywhere because Saber stuck by Shiro the entire time, but I really wanted Shiro to be her master again. And my final nitpick is, I just really wish Saber and Shiro would have had a gotten a proper goodbye before she disappeared. It was really nice that he went and saw her grave in the uh, epilogue when they moved to England, but I just, I really wish they would have had a good, like a proper goodbye. As for the art style, just the way like the characters are drawn is funny because they have some of the weirdest noses and like very sharp chins, but they also produce some of the most dimey dime pieces 
in anime character history, in my opinion. Saber, Reen, Caster's a tidy. And I won't go through like the other series, but there's some beautiful girls in some of the other uh, Fate series as well. And as for quote of the series, it goes to Shiru when they're at the uh, cafe and him and Reen are talking and he goes, well, I guess it's sweeter than it looks. My man was not talking about the tea. All right. And there's a couple ways you could take that. Maybe her personality is sweeter than it looks, which I'm sure is what he meant, but I wanted to take it the other way. All right. Then we get the best girl waifu and harem. So for me, best girl is epilogue Rin. Now, Rin was always a cutie, but that glow up on top of what she already had, I want an entire 25 episode based off that epilogue. Have Rin and Shiro's adventures at the clock tower. If you can find a way to bring Saber in that makes sense, I'm down. But even if you can't bring her back, I still want a full series of them at magic school. As for Waifu, the girl you have a romantic attraction for and would marry? Now, I understand. More than one Waifu will ruin your Laifu. I know. But how can you not crown Reen and Saber both waifu material? Now, Reen's my girl. And my boy Kaylee Kale is a Saber man. So it works out well for us. But I would recommend both Reen and Saber hop in your boy's harem. Yes, sir. Come on in. All right. Now we're going to get to final thoughts. I go back and forth on this pretty much every week. But if Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works isn't my all-time favorite anime, then it's my second. There's only one other series that competes with it. The characters, their relationship, the world that is built is all A1. The fights in the show and in the Fate series in general are top notch. You would be hard pressed to show me something that has better animation, is more fluid, more exciting. If you can show me something, let me know. Some better fights in the Fate series. I recommend you watch Unlimited Blade Works before watching Fate Zero. And my reasons for that contain spoilers. I explained it earlier in the review. But regardless of which order you watch, just get into this series. I can't see why anyone who likes anime wouldn't enjoy this series. It has a little something for everyone. We got mystery, romance, fight, magic. It's all here. Go watch the Fate series. Unlimited Blade Works. You will not regret it. All right, and that's it for this week's episode. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.